1: old radio listening society a podcast dedicated to suspense crime and horror stories from the golden age of radio
2: i'm eric i'm tim and i'm joshua we love mysterious old time radio stories but do they stand the test of time that's what we're here to find out we're celebrating our 300th
3: episode with part two of donovan's brain from suspense recommended to us by our mysterious listener and patreon supporter trevor
1: if you haven't heard part one, go back and listen to last week's episode. Our introduction included the usual background information about the stars, production, and source material, including the fact that a vinyl re release of Donovan's Brain won a Grammy Award in 1982.
2: And now, Orson Wells and Donovan's Brain, part two from Suspense, first broadcast May 25th, 1944. It's late at night, and
3: a chill has set in. You're alone and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices.
0: Roma Wines present Suspense! Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. Salud. Your health, senor. Roma Wines toast the world. The wine for your table is Roma Wine. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
4: This is the Man in Black, here to introduce this weekly half hour of suspense. Tonight from Hollywood, we again bring you Mr. Orson Welles in the second of two consecutive performances starring Mr. Wells as the protagonist of Kutziudmack's novel Donovan's Brain. The producer of Suspense and its sponsors, the Roma Wine Company of Fresno, California, felt this story so unusual that it merited more than our usual time. So in somewhat of a departure from established radio formulas, we are bringing you the story of Donovan's Brain in two parts. Part one you heard last Thursday, And tonight you will hear part two, the completion
0: of Donovan's Brain. But before we raise the curtain on our suspense play, let's for a moment wish ourselves away to Havana, Cuba, seated at a table in the fashionable Hotel de Nacional de Cuba. Near us, a a group of Cubans are entertaining an American visitor. Our American has just remarked that in point of great enjoyment, the Cuban rumba is one of America's most delightful imported dances. And then... Raising his wine glass, the Cuban host responds, Then we have perhaps discharged some part of our debt to you Americans for this wonderful tasting wine that gives us such great enjoyment. It is wine that Cuba imports from your faraway California. It is Roma wine. Americans didn't have to wait for wine connoisseurs of other lands to discover the greatness of California's wine districts, the superb quality of Roma, California wine. So many millions made this discovery for themselves, ...that Roma wines have long been America's largest selling wines. But these millions discovered something more. In Roma wines, they discovered an easy, and inexpensive way... ...to increase the delights of daily living. Yes, millions have discovered that Roma wines... ...as a beverage on the table... ...and when used in entertaining... ...add a charm of a special and wholesome kind. I told you Roma wines cost little. That's because here in America you pay no high import duty... No expensive shipping charges. And two, Roma Wines come from Roma's own wineries in the heart of choice California vineyard districts. So cost to you is only pennies a glass for R-O-M-A Roma Wines. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. And now with part
4: two of Donovan's Brain and with the performance of Orson Welles as Dr. Patrick Corey... We again hope to keep you in suspense!
5: As I sit now outside my laboratory door writing under the heading Experiment 87 this final entry in my casebook, I know that these are the last words I shall ever write upon this Earth. For those who seek some explanation, I refer them simply to this casebook. Let them read it carefully. Perhaps they may then, in some measure, understand, if not condone the awful circumstances under which I have been driven to the most appalling crime against God and nature that it has ever been the fate of mortal man to perpetrate. August 24th. It's now six weeks, exactly 42 days, since I began the experiment. For six weeks, by artificial means alone, I have kept alive a human brain. Completely detached from the body floating in a bath of serum nourished by a synthetic blood plasma fed through its arteries by an electric pump, it has remained alive. Not only alive, but I have succeeded in communicating with it. For I have even induced new growth of brain cells and so tremendously increased its mental faculties that by sheer brain power alone has actually been able to communicate its thoughts to me and each day my communion with that living, pulsing mass of grey matter that was the brain of William Donovan becomes stronger and stronger. And even now I sense it's striving to reveal some plan to me, something so truly world-shaking in its implications that only such an organism, developed to a point thousands of years ahead of its time, could ever have conceived it. So far I sense this only, but soon... I shall know. Indeed, I shall be partner in its execution. What a fool I was ever to have considered for a moment my wife's demand that I end the experiment. It's because I refused, of course, that Janice left me a week ago without so much as a word of explanation or farewell. Even my son David and my assistant Schrader are privy to this conspiracy to thwart me, for when I ask about Janice, they pretend to know nothing. They seek to avoid my questions. But the brain will live. Yes, (laughs) I can hear it now. It's delta waves, quite audible over the amplifying system I've arranged for it. Almost as though it were calling to me. Trying to speak to me. The brain will live. Donovan? What is it? What are you trying to tell me? Go on, Donovan. I'm listening. Go on.
6: Go on. Go.
5: <laughs> Who is it? It's
6: me, Patrick,
5: and David. Well, what do you want? We want to talk to you, David. I have no time to talk. I'm busy. You I'm sorry. Go That's away. I important. tell you, I'm busy. Please, sir. Can't you two leave me alone?
6: Right, all right. What is oh, it? What is it? Patrick, won't you come into the study
5: with us for a few minutes? Whatever you've got to say and say right here, you know I can't leave the laboratory. Eh? Dad, it's only that well, we wanted to talk to you in in private. Well, don't tell me that you're afraid of this poor mass of brain
6: cells here? It's not that, Dad, but oh, we okay. never mind, David. <laughs> At least turn that thing off, then, will you,
5: Patrick? <laughs> what difference would it make?
6: It could still hear,
5: couldn't it? Well, what is it then? Well, it's. It's about mother. So, she put you up to this, did she? I thought the truth would come out sometime. Dad, listen. She's trying to stop this experiment from the beginning. She thought she could blackmail me into quitting by leaving me, and she still does. And now I, she's using us. true, a minute, won't you as a go-between. That's true, not I've enough. We haven't heard a word from Janice.
6: We don't even know where she is. That's what we've come to talk to you about. Oh, oh have you? How could I know where she is? Well, because you were the last person seen with her, Dad. I was. Don't you remember, Patrick? You took her into town with Drug. you. You you wouldn't tell any
5: of us why. Yes, of course, the moon I've forgotten, but what of it? Well, don't you remember what happened then? Of course I remember. She left me, that's oh, all. Where, Dad? Where did she
7: leave you? Well, what were you doing? I
5: don't know. We were in some big public building, city hall, courthouse, taxis or something. Next thing I knew, she'd simply disappeared. I... Is that all? Didn't yes. she say anything? Didn't she at least tell you why she was going? Oh, no, no, I remember what she said. It's been a week or more. I've hardly slept. You know I've been working night and day. Yes,
6: that's just it,
5: Patrick. So what do you mean by that?
6: Patrick, you say this. The, the brain communicates well, with you. Tells you yes. things about his past life. Suggests thoughts. Yes, yes. Well, if yes. the brain can make you think of things, mightn't it also be able to make you forget things? You're out of your mind. Dad, are you sure... Uh, are you sure you don't know what's happened to Mother? No, I tell you, no, I uh, don't Patrick, know. Patrick, he... don't you see what you might have done? What? Heaven's name, stop now while there's still time. Get out of here. While there's still time to help Janice, if there is. While there's still time to help yourself. Shut off the current. Let, Let the brain out. die. Kill it, Patrick. Kill it. Get out, both of you. Get out. Get
8: out. <laughs>
5: August 26th, the brain continues to communicate thought fragments more and more easily, but nothing further on what I've come to think of as the plan. I'm now sleeping a great deal, but my dreams are becoming increasingly troublesome, although I'm at a loss to analyze them, most frequent is a sort of vast cosmic valley, presided over by the colossal figure of a young man whom I seem to recognize, yet I never, never see his face. It's as though the entire population of the Earth were moving past him in review. At his command. Never mind now. Help me with He's fainted. No, David, no, don't let him. Oh, it's all right now. Here's a glass of water. Oh. What's the matter? You're trembling all over. I, You're looking I at can. me that way for you. Look, I'm look, oh, frightened after death. Dad, you... What happened here anyway? I came and found you on the floor with your hands around your own throat. Dead went for me. Why is your luggage all packed? I was going to leave. Leave in the middle of the night? Why? Because... The fuse I... box has been opened. It was you, Shroth. You're going to shut off the current. You are going to kill the brain. Patrick, you tried to strangle me. What? That's true, Dad. That's why I had to slap you. But that's absurd. I came in here and found Schrott with his hands around his own throat. He was strangling himself. Dad, please think a minute. Nobody can strangle himself. Look at these marks on my throat. Oh. Do you think I could have done that? It's
6: not possible, and yet... It's true, Patrick, that I tried to shut off the current. I was afraid for you. But as I opened the fuse box, I heard the delta waves in the laboratory suddenly become stronger and louder than they'd ever been before. And then.
5: Then. Then I. Yes. Then the brain knew.
6: You even spoke in Donovan's voice, Patrick.
5: That voice, his. That recurring
6: phrase of his. Sure, sure, sure. In his very tones, his very accents. Sure. You've created a monster, Patrick.
5: It has the power to make me commit murder. The brain. The brain must die.
6: Pull the switch in the fuse box, Patrick. It will only be a matter of seconds yes. and
5: then. Yes, I. I. But I. But I. Uh...
6: You've got to, Patrick.
5: Shrat, David, help me. I can't move. Come in. Yeah, you... Pull the switch, hurry. Shrat, David, go on. Yeah. You. You too.
6: It's paralyzed, dispatch. Huh? The brain won't let itself be killed.
4: And. In-
5: then it has the power to live on. And on. To command us as long as we live. To make us do anything it wants. To kill. Murder.
6: Dad. What are we gonna do? This It's uh,
5: brain. It's. It's laughing. Laughing. September 7th, Schrott has left. He had to, of course, for his own protection, if nothing else. Before he left, he swore to eternal secrecy and was going to try to find Janice. The very thought that any harm might come to her through me is enough to drive me almost mad. As for David, although he's strong enough to prevent any untoward accidents, I don't know. He's, he's volunteered to stay with me. He'll sleep at night behind locked doors. We must devote every faculty we possess together and independently to finding a way of destroying the brain. Perhaps while it sleeps, it seems to have developed tremendous powers the subconscious, which operate even in sleep. The recurring dream, the now oppressive sense of some further task to be performed, continues. If Janice were only here, even her presence, I know, would help immeasurably to combat this fearful thing... Terrible thought crosses my mind. Could Trot have left if the brain had not, for some reasons of its own, actually wanted him to leave? September 10th. My thoughts are less and less my own... The dream of the young giant bestriding the earth, the figure without a face, pursues me now, even in my waking hours. Increasingly, I seem to live in a world of evil fantasy, peopled and controlled by the mind of William Donovan.
6: Not much time, but time enough. Time enough. Sure, sure, sure. Time enough. Sure, sure. Uh, hello?
5: Who is it? Patrick? Oh, Janice. Janice, my darling. Janice. Hello, uh, Patrick. Sweetheart. How are you, Patrick? Oh, well enough, I'm well enough. But, Dennis, where have you been? Janice, why did you leave me that day? Why didn't you at least tell me? Where did you go, darling? I was with friends. Well, did Shraat tell you anything?
8: No, nothing special. Well,
5: Janice, I know I haven't been a very good husband these last months. I haven't been very kind or very considerate or even civilized. I, I haven't been myself, Janice.
8: I know, Patrick. My poor darling. But you'd
5: only known how I missed you after you left. I needed you. I need your help, Janice. I Terrible. know, Patrick. Terrible.
8: I, I came back to help you.
5: But... But what? Where is David? He's asleep in the next room. That is, lately he's tried to make a point to sleep only when I didn't. Trying to keep an eye on things. Patrick, I'm going
8: to help you. All I can, any way I can. But first, well, I want to take David away.
5: David? Why?
8: Because I don't think it's good for him to be here. No? I don't think that you... Patrick... I don't want to torment you. It's only that perhaps we can find a way... ...if we know all the facts.
5: What, Jenny is that?
8: Don't you know, really, where I was? No, how could I? Don't you remember where you took me? Where I
5: took you? I don't...
8: You took me to a psychiatric, psychiatric clinic. A psychiatric clinic? You had me committed... To a madhouse. No, it's Janice. No, not you. Donovan. Donovan. It was because I tried to make you stop the experiment. Yes. Kill the brain. As you left me there, you even spoke in Donovan's voice. Sure, 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 you said.
5: Sure, sure.
8: I thought they were the last words I would ever hear you speak.
5: Oh, no, Janice, forgive me. Forgive me, Mary. I
8: couldn't persuade anyone. I was sane. Oh, sweet! After what you told him, everything I said only made them think I was mad. Mm. I'm not mad, am I, Patrick? I'm not mad, am I? <laughs>
5: will be gone for some three hours. I've sent her into town for Dr. Zanger, the psychiatrist. Maybe he can help, but now suddenly I'm... I, I'm... I'm... I'm overcome with the thought of the humiliation I shall have to suffer when other, other medical men become aware of the position I'm in. It'll be the end of my career, and my reputation, or my hopes. Folly to think that Zanger'd keep it to himself, indeed. I... He'd have no right to. I, I, I can bet it if I must, but another way, a possibility, occurs to me, and I've, I've been thinking it over. There's no harm in trying it in any event. I, I must try. I, I have three hours. David! David! Yes, Dad? Da- David, what's your blood type? Do you know your blood type? As a matter of fact, I well, I don't think I do. Why? Uh, no matter. We can easily find out. David, I, th- I think at last I know a way. To kill the brain? It's simple. It's perfectly natural. Only at nine chances out of ten is something Donovan would never have known about. I- I'll do it myself. Unfortunately, my blood type and his, are. Uh, they're the same. A transfusion? Uh, of course. I have to replenish the blood substance periodically. Anyway, it's about time to do it again. I- I've always used my own because it was the same type as his, but if y- y- yours is a different type... Yeah, the right type, David. You mean the wrong type? He, he, yes, you've given the wrong... The brain... The, the brain will die given the wrong type. Yeah, It's I, possible. I, I, I'm sure of that. I know it. But uh, suppose the brain... Yes? ...knows. It, it knows other things. I, I, I've i thought of that. It's a chance we'll have to take, if you're willing, David, my boy. Of course I am, uh, Then bet. we'll take the blood sample now. Come into the laboratory. I only have the right blood type. Sure. Rather sure. the wrong type. Uh, if you haven't, we'll find someone who has, maybe... Maybe shot. Now lie down there on the table, David. We're, we want a tourniquet on your arm. Here, I'll a put small syringe will do it. Go ahead. I'm ready. David, don't watch me. It'll be easier if you easier if you don't. For me, it's a funny one coming from you. Well, doctors are never quite as steady with members of their own family, you know. Ready? Sure. Ready. <coughs> here we are. You you all right? Yeah, yeah. You'll be thrown in just a second. You you getting it all yes, right? Yes, sure, sure. Just
6: a second now. Dad, I I'm sleepy. You'll be over it in a minute. But what's the matter? Why am why am I so sleepy? You'll be all right. Sleepy. So <laughs>
4: sleepy. <laughs>
6: Sure, sure, sure. Sure, sure, sure. That's what
5: an anesthetic is for. Make you sleep. I was somewhat surprised to find the instruments sterilized already laid out, but I worked more rapidly and skillfully than ever before in my life, I think. I made an incision just below the hairline, laying back the scalp as far as the base of the skull. I trepanned the cranium at two centimeter intervals, working back and downwards to the upper edge of the occipital bone. With the geely saw, I cut through the connecting bone structure and removed the entire top of the cranium, placing it in saline solution to preserve it. I made a semicircular incision in the dura mater... ...laying it to one side, exposing the brain. As I dissected out the facial auditory and pneumogastric nerves... ...to free the medulla oblongata, ...I... ...I... ...I became conscious of an insistent clamoring... ...something like a mounting hysteria in the distant reaches of my mind. I, almost as strong as the irresistible compulsion that drove me on. But my hand did not falter... With a sure stroke, I severed the spinal cord just below the first cervical nerve. As I make this last entry with that awful guilt upon my soul... Even now, I cannot fully comprehend how it has been possible for any man by mortal or immortal means to be driven to such a crime. Even the divinity himself did not demand of Abraham that final sacrifice of expiation, when he with his only begotten son ascended the Mount of Olives. (laughs) Perhaps Schrott is right. Perhaps there is indeed in man some spark of the divine that will elude our test tubes and our laboratories until the end of time. Perhaps that is the one thing that even Donovan did not foresee. I only know that at the instant my son died under my own hand, I was set free at that instant. I saw and understood for the first time that monstrous plan born in the brain of William Donovan, of which I was to be the instrument. It was the plan I had glimpsed but never grasped in the recurring dream. Donovan did aspire to the domination of the world. And with those tremendous mental faculties that I myself had given him, it was literally within his power to become the absolute ruler of all mankind. Only one thing was lacking, a body, a body, a young, strong body, into which those ever-growing brain cells could graft and affix themselves to live on. And on, perhaps, for centuries. He chose the body of my son, and now... My son. At last, too late, I am free to destroy this foul thing of my creation. I know it as surely as I know that my own life must be forfeit. And the brain also knows. I can hear the disturbed, erratic oscillations of the delta waves coming through the laboratory door. But there's no room left in me now for fear. I shall take the six steps from the desk where I'm writing this across to the laboratory door. How often I've taken them in happier times. I shall open the door, close it behind me for the last time, and write Finis to the mortal life of Patrick Arthur Corey, and the brain of William Horace Donovan. May others learn from the record I leave here the lessons I have learned so bitterly and profit by them. And for the things that I have done, may God have mercy on my soul.
7: Phoenix, Arizona, September the 15th. The bodies of Dr. Patrick Arthur Corey and his son David were found in Dr. Corey's own laboratory early today. Young Corey had apparently died on the operating table as a result of a delicate brain operation performed by his father. In the case of Dr. Corey, medical authorities gave us their opinion that he might have died of shock as a result of the unsuccessful operation on his son. A curious feature of the case was the fact that numerous pieces of tissue identified as being from a human brain were found scattered about the laboratory floor, while a larger section of brain was found in the midst of an elaborate apparatus, evidently part of a scientific experiment. Medical authorities stated, however, that they were unable to explain the nature of the apparatus and that the brain itself was in such a state of decomposition as to indicate that it had been dead and slowly decaying for at least three months. Dr. Corey is survived by his wife, Janice. She was committed to the county asylum for the insane late this afternoon. burial of Dr. Corey will be at the Mount of Olive Cemetery.
4: And so closes Donovan's Brain, part two. The completion of two half-hour presentations of Kutz Yudmack's story, presenting Orson Welles, a star of Suspense.
0: Suspense is produced and directed by William Spear. Did you know that these Roma Wine suspense dramas are setting a record for the millions of delighted listeners they are attracting? We want you to feel that by tuning in the suspense program every week, you can count on real radio enjoyment. Well, in even more dramatic style, the popularity of Roma Wines is also record-breaking. Because Roma Wines are by far America's largest selling wines. Millions make sure of great wine enjoyment simply by asking for Roma Wines. Here's something else these millions have discovered. You don't need fancy glassware or a special occasion to enjoy these zestful, taste-delighting Roma, California wines. Roma Wines possess lip-smacking flavor and zest because they come from Roma Wines' own wineries right in the heart of the magnificent California wine grape districts. And you can enjoy them as a daily delight, because the cost is only pennies a glass. Ask for R-O-M-A, Roma Wines, made in California for enjoyment throughout the world.
5: This is Orson Welles. Next week, Mr. William Spear tells me, and he'd like me to pass the information on to you, The suspense will bring two exceptionally fine artists, Miss Ida Lupino and Mr. Vincent Price, in a play by one of radio's outstanding authors, Lucille Fletcher. I want to hear that, and I know you will, too.
4: Money invested in war bonds now helps ensure a healthy, prosperous post-war America, the kind of America we will want for our children as well as ourselves. Don't forget, then, next Thursday you will hear Ida Lupino and Vincent Price in... Suspense!
0: Presented by Roma Wines, R-O-M-A. Made in California for enjoyment throughout the world. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.
1: That was part two of Donovan's Brain from Suspense here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim.
3: And I'm Joshua.
1: First off, Congratulations. Yay! It's our That's 300th fact, episode.
3: Oh. I brought some lip-smacking champagne to steal wow. an adjective from that awful Roma wine commercial.
1: <laughs> lip-smacking.
3: Don't Ooh. describe your drinking product as lip-smacking. Uh, so no. I, I brought champagne because we, it uh, has sound.
1: Right. Uh, my eyes! Nice! <laughs> wow, good foley. Yeah. Well done. So congrats, gentlemen. Congratulations. Oh, and look, look, wait, look, you... look, 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 look. Wait, you got to put that on mic so we can hear it. Oh, yeah. you're right. Put that there. and Now we can hear the Foley.
3: That is the sound of cheap champagne, mm-hmm. friends.
1: And salute. Congr- salute. <laughs> Congratulations, everybody. Yay. <laughs> Who would have thought? 43 years ago, when we started this podcast, <laughs> that we would make it to 300 episodes. And uh, what a fitting uh, number 300. This Donovan's brain was a really good call, Joshua. So well done.
3: Well, it was recommended by our listener, Trevor, who uh, sent it, of uh, the request to us. And Tim and I had been kicking around what to do for the 300th episode. we had created a list. We were going to run it past you. And it then was- Trevor said... Donovan's Brain, which was on the list, and we are like, Trevor wins. Yeah. It was this or quit.
2: And I think we <laughs> chose well. <laughs>
1: yeah. And, you know, whatever you said, I would have been like, okay, that's fine. Uh, so, yeah, we all just sat in this room and we all just listened to this together, which doesn't – ever happen um last week's episode tim and i had not heard the ending of this Mm -hmm. so then we recorded our podcast and then the three of us sat in a room together and listened to part two together so we are literally
2: fresh off the episode
1: minutes off of that episode So I get to ask dumb questions because I don't have the ability to go back and re-listen. The death at the end, right? I know that his son dies, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Does he kill him? Does he kill David? Does Donovan's brain kill David?
2: As I understood, in the act of killing his son as part of the surgery, snaps out of the control of Donovan.
1: Ah, and then kills
2: him. Cuts his
3: spinal cord. Right. And that I understood. Kills his son because Donovan wants a body. I think yep. we predicted yep. something along those lines. Something last along I called
1: it? it was Tim, Tim that called, called it. it.
3: Who would have thought a disembodied brain would be in search of a young? <laughs>
1: <body>? Who isn't? <laughs> uh, but then how does the doctor die? And how does the brain die? Does he flip off the switch? Is that what happens? I think thought they
2: had tried flipping off the switch earlier and discovered that that doesn't do it. Right. Uh, I think he just, like, set the
3: whole thing on fire. (laughs) Well, no, they found the bodies. There's no fire. It's very confusing. I think the wrap-up at the end seems to imply, because they said there's bits of brain tissue. Yes. So it seems to suggest that Dr. Corey attacked the brain with his bare hands almost. And died in that process. Probably shock, right? Because he has this telepathic link. Because they said he might have died of shock after killing his son. And they said the brain looked like it had deteriorated over the course of three months. And I don't know if that's supposed to be that the brain was deteriorating outside of a body and that's how much of a passage of time there had been since Donovan's I, brain was removed or it was. It took them three months to discover the body. I find that unlikely because yes. his wife would be looking for him, uh, Dr. Shratt. Right.
1: I was under the impression at the end with the radio uh, news broadcast that Even though the brain was alive and functioning, it had shown normal wear and tear of being outside of a body for three months.
2: Yeah, and uh, it wasn't just that Donovan was a real evil guy, that he he was literally rotting as as a persona.
1: Or when you disconnect it from this apparatus, it deteriorates and decays oh, yeah. really quickly, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, without the yeah. influx of the the blood and Someone the pumps, Someone defrosted the brain. and yeah. Right. As if it was defrosted. And what's unclear
3: is did he unplug it or those bits and pieces of brain tissue, what that means? I like to think that he just got in there and was just I'm with you. grabbing it by its lobes. <laughs>
1: I'm with you. Yeah, that they killed each shots. other in a fight to the death. Just like where a he's... mint
2: sauce and yum 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 yum. Wow.
1: Macaroni and cheese yeah, on the slip stove. smacking. <laughs> yeah, that he's pulling the brain apart while the brain is killing him psychologically. Yep. A Moriarty and Holmes kind of moment. <laughs> <laughs> Mono Abrano. <laughs> <laughs> they
3: fell up the figurative waterfall.
1: Correct. Together.
3: I liked the ironic twist of Janice ending up
1: Oh, yes, right? back
3: in the sanitarium. <laughs> I mean, I don't like it, but it's
1: yeah, <laughs> that's good. That is a really interesting moment. That's when I said to you guys out loud, "Oh, nobody wins. Mm-hmm. Nobody <laughs> wins. There's not even a chance of someone to come out of this."
2: I, w- I would. I was just wondering, what did she tell this dog? Like, I gotta go home and talk to my husband and <laughs> explain to him. I get it. This is bad, I want to help you. I want to get our son out of here, yeah, but a doctor Schratt went and got her, so I don't
3: know if she called him right. and he, as a doctor he vouched, found her. Yeah. yeah found her. I wonder if there's more detail in the book there, but it's just yeah. like, yep, I got out, yeah. <laughs> or she was under observation for a certain period of time, and they were like well you're you're fine, yeah, except for all this talk about a disembodied brain, <laughs> you seem really normal
1: yeah it wasn't clear at all how she got out of there. But if it's on par with the logic of how she got in there, <laughs> yes. you can just say, Can you put her in here? Yes. Can she get out now? Yes. Are you a doctor? Can you sign things? <laughs> yes. So maybe yeah. it's just you that. You want easy. her liver? I mean, what do you want? <laughs> you,
3: <your doctor's> signature? <laughs> you just bought yourself a
1: woman, Dr. Dre. <laughs> <Right. laughs> yeah. Anybody else you want out of here? Uh, <laughs> as long as you're standing here. Don't want to make a second trip. On that
3: topic, it was interesting that Dr. Corey expressed all this love and remorse and that he tried to blame it on the brain. But we saw as or heard as listeners that he was a, a-hole long before he harvested Donovan's brain. So um, it might have just been the trauma he had gone through. So at that point, I was like... Eh, I don't pity you, Dr. Corey. And uh, to reference last week, I said that, oh, I don't really feel for any of these characters. Right. Like mm. It's entertaining and it's fun to see what happens. And at that point, I still did not care for Dr. Corey. But Wells' performance while being forced to perform that surgery and going mm-hmm. in and out of the Donovan character. Yep. There I felt it. And when he realized what he had done, that's hard not to get sucked into the actual human drama of that as heightened and over the top as it is. Mm-hmm. And that's all down to, I think, Wells. That was a really impressive performance.
1: Yes. Uh, Directorally or actor choice, whatever the case may be, there's an interesting thing that takes place in this production that was not common for the time. And that is... Uh, overlapping affectatiously uh responding uh overlapping dialogue mm-hmm. uh while someone's st- what you just did yeah. right yeah. there sure that, sure, uh, sure yeah right <laughs> while I'm talking and Wells the, uh-huh. always did that he was yeah.
3: always pushing that in yep. any suspense script he's in, he's always doing a little bit of that we haven't talked about it in the podcast, but I'd love to sometime, but we recently performed a suspense episode called Philomel Cottage. Based on *Egg of the Christie*, and I don't know if you got a chance to actually listen to the episode before you performed it, but he Wells does a lot of that in that yes, episode I too. Yeah, yeah. Their conversation is incredibly naturalistic and mm-hmm. overlapping and back and forth. It's just one of his strengths and ahead of his time as a performer in that area.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's really interesting. You get so used to the pattern uh, for a big chunk of uh, radio drama in the golden years that it's boom, 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 you know, it's one after the other, Mm -hmm. that uh, what an interesting effect that has on the context, the form, the shape of what you're listening to when they overlap or naturalistic conversation. And uh, I really like it. And you get into things like fear on four or more contemporary stuff. And there's a lot of that, right? It just, it has become more uh, it, accepted. It
2: fascinating uh, in that it is the, like the structure of language that the thing you will respond to from what someone says to you might be in the middle of their sentence mm-hmm. and then there's some clause at the end which is not necessary if they respond to. So you respond to the thing you're going to respond to when you hear it even if that person's not done talking Right, which makes it sound so natural.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. When I write old time radio classic stuff I just had it today, writing a script, where the response from the next person, the next character, I realized that what they were responding to was something that was said in the middle of the sentence from the person before, and to stay true to that form of pattern where, you know, it's that rapid fire or that one after another and no overlapping conversation or naturalistic conversation, I rewrote the sentence before Mm -hmm. so that the last thought was what they were responding to, to stay in that framework. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah.
3: Another aspect of this I really enjoyed was the weird dream image that kept coming to him of the colossal man straddling the planet. And, um, Dictating the actions of the entire earth. Yep. And, and I do think it's interesting because Siodmec was Jewish, fled Germany, that that's still really on his mind mm-hmm. about a dictator. and that, that possibility still being so close in time to them of mm-hmm. actually taking over not just a country, but the entirety of the world. Mm-hmm. I think it's also um, fitting then that he brings out the... Uh, Abraham and Isaac yes. story yeah. too from Old Testament. the Torah, yes. Um, to add a little um, gravitas to something that probably doesn't need more. But like right. <laughs> really what this entire story does is for basically 40 minutes, everyone tells him, stop this, stop this. You're going to hurt somebody. It's going to go bad. It's going to go bad. And, and so his, his remorse, it's not just that he killed his son. Yeah, It's that he he was warned, he was told over and over and over again. And in some ways, that is both the strength and weakness to me of this one hour script is that so much time is spent rephrasing and retreading those warnings. Yeah. And then when you split into two parts, there's a necessity to have a certain amount of recap at the beginning of part two. And I... Uh, To be honest, I was starting to lose my enthusiasm for it, you know, at about 15 minutes into this because they're still talking about where's Janice? And we as listeners, we know where Janice is, so it's not very exciting for us to have that rehashed. It's exciting to have them figure it out and to have something change. But on the flip side, once he does this atrocious act, all that time spent on it gives it a lot more
2: uh, weight. Tragic weight, but... Yeah, I thought at the beginning that they were taking a different path than I expected of, that he was going to get more and more out of control, more and more um, despotic, more horrible. And he really pumped the brakes there, at least for a little while of, I don't know everything I've done, but I see there's a problem. I'm trying Mm -hmm. to figure things out. Then he didn't. (laughs) Yeah, You recall from last week's
3: episode, I was under the impression that Dr. Shratt and the son knew what happened. Mm. To uh, Janice. And uh, I was totally wrong about that. Uh, I interpreted it incorrectly. Um, Where they they, stared at him and didn't respond. "Mm -hmm." They just think she's disappeared. Yep. Which is actually weirder, but I think is more compelling.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I was glad to find that answer because I wasn't quite sure on that myself. Here's a layer that may or may not exist. You know, a writer writes uh, from their experience what they know, their hopes, fears, Creep into everything. Disembodied brains. Yes. Sidemack fleeing from Nazi Germany. And then you look at the idea of, hey, if you kill somebody who's evil, horrifyingly evil, okay, that's over and done, right? But what if you could keep the brain alive (laughs) and then that brain could get into another body and continue the pursuit of world dominance, Mm -hmm. which is what this was all about right this really evil person the fear of well we killed hitler but what if you know like yeah and sidomek living with that fear of is it over you know it creeping into this might be too much of a layer
3: idea of the brain virus right Right, nazism fascism will continue to possibly or even just the
1: actual hitler brain is in a you're (laughs) thinking that literally yeah i'm thinking that literally like Oh, God, let's, it's let's his hope. It's in brain bunker. Right? Well, there was
2: so many artists with, in so different ways, like Ionesco uh, and Rhinoceros, of, we're exploring not just the political effects of Nazism and that, but watching friends and respected people lose their moral footing and, and get infected by this brain virus. That is, for me, the, the really impactful part of the story, is this doctor making a, a negotiating with his own devil. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was surprised at
3: how quickly the son and Dr. Schratz's intervention worked on him. You're hurting people with your brain. <laughs> you need to stop. Do
1: we want to vote on oh, this? But thing? First, well,
3: but uh, first, you made a great observation that I, uh, we were listening uh, about the uh, delta waves and uh, who it sounded like.
1: Oh, okay. <laughs> it was like a precursor to R two D two. Yeah, it's,
3: it's said that I couldn't unhear that R two D two whistle. And then when it got angry, there was a layer of like curly from the Three Stooges. <laughs> right. it, like,
1: but <laughs> <laughs> well, every time the brain was talking, he said, r two, stop it." <laughs> well, I, you know, if we're ready to vote, yes, yeah, I, think- I loved it a lot. Uh, Is it a classic? Well, I think it's a great adaptation. Not having read the book, it seems like it was right. (laughs) Like it seems from what I imagine the book (laughs) to to be. be, Well done. Seems to represent the book well. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, But here is the. It doesn't matter. I liked it a lot, and Orson Welles is phenomenal. Uh, How he slips back and forth into the two characters and uh yeah i think it stands the test of time and i think it's in that sense it's absolute classic and it's even up against itself it's a home run uh this is one of those strange things
2: that it would be so much easier to lavish praise on this if it hadn't inspired so many other things if there weren't so many other things that came afterwards planet um, of the
1: apes
3: yeah <laughs>
2: uh, Planet of the Apes ruins every
1: time radio
3: show
2: we listen to. Other guy brain.
1: I mean all these famous, famous things we've all watched. Um you know but, Diamond Brain. I'm trying to think of other singers. Uh, <laughs> Pete Seeger's brain. Yeah, right.
2: <laughs> uh, in that the trope of disembodied brain doing weird funny things, and it's not funny things, but um sci-fi things. Has other, for me at least, has other attachments to other shows that are weird and peculiar and make it give it a little aura of B movie, which it is not true. Which is to say, I'll back up. I'll start over. I watched Hamlet the movie, <laughs> not the Kenneth Branagh one. I saw the Mel Gibson Hamlet mm-hmm. in the movie theater. Yeah. At the end, there was a guy in front of me who said. It's pretty good, but it's really cliche. <laughs> it's that thing of, Donovan's brain has cast such a long shadow mm-hmm. that it's hard to see it for itself.
3: As it, yeah, as, sometimes things do not stand the test of time and it's not their fault. It's actually because they were so influential. You yes. go back to it and it's just you've seen it, heard it so many times that it doesn't excite the way it originally may have
2: pinned to that is it is so good the script has so much integrity to it the the production has such a great pace to it there's all kinds of things to love about this uh and i will certainly say since of time i just it's brain so i i feel like i can't say classic because for the reasons i just blithered about
1: right charo brain <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah i
3: back brain strawberry
1: alarm clock brain (laughs) right what do you think
3: (laughs) this production lives and dies on orson welles performance for me it's a classic orson welles performance the rest of it is a, a noble experiment to me breaking it into two parts last week we struggled just talking about part one and this week the suspense episode struggled to get the story back on track after breaking. I really honestly think this might do an injustice to the novel, but Mm. as a suspense episode may have been more powerful condensed into 30 minutes. Ah. Uh, I would love to hear what that sounded like. You would have had to cut things, but there's a lot of repetition in this. Maybe one fewer Roma ads. <laughs> yes. A little less lip smacking and <laughs> maybe it could have fit into 30 minutes. Uh, so I'm not going to say classic other than Wells' performance. Yeah. And I agree with Tim that even some of the standing the test of time, if you're not an old time radio aficionado, that it struggles because it's so influential as a concept. But as an old time radio nerd, it was absolute pleasure top to bottom listening to it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: meatloaf brain (laughs) 300 (laughs) podcasts Tim tell them stuff please go visit
2: ghoulishdelights.com that's the home of this podcast you'll find at least 300 episodes there Um, (laughs) what what
1: do you mean at least there's more that we did I don't know about there are technically oh okay
2: and we'll continue to do them in the future we're not
1: we're not stopping right no Um, you'll also find oh uh, good point Someone could be listening to this in the future. Yes. I hate the internet. It's a time problem. Mm -hmm. Keep going. Sorry. Uh,
2: You can uh, (laughs) comment on episodes, vote in polls. Let us know what you thought of them. Uh, You can link to our social media pages, leave comments like on our Facebook page um, because who doesn't like that? That's awesome. Commenting on a Facebook page. Uh, You can also (laughs) link to our friendly store, get some
3: swag. I'll tell you who doesn't like it anyone under the age of 50.
2: (laughs) It's a humdinger of a time. Log it onto the old Facebook and leave it a comment. (laughs) That is the cat's pajamas. Also, <laughs> you can uh, connect to our Patreon page and become a supporter of the podcast.
3: Yes, when you're done commenting on Facebook, go to patreon.com slash and please support this podcast we've done 300 episodes for you what else do you want from us people (laughs) 400 all right fine give us some money we'll keep going um i mean if we don't get any more money we're gonna start removing episodes from our catalog (laughs) like an evil streaming service Oh, that's a little too true. <laughs> that's Aww. hurtful. Yeah. Um, also, you can go ahead and give us a one-time donation if that is your preference. Go to ghoulishdelights.com and just give us some money. Uh, right now, what we are doing is we are trying to um raise funds for a new computer setup. And we're getting really, really close. Uh, really soon you may never have to hear me ask for this again. Uh, so please um put us. Over the top with one more donation, and we'll get that computer, and um, it'll be super exciting. We do plan, once we have a better computer, to go back and do some more of the Mysterious Old Radio Watching Society on YouTube. Nice. Where we're uh, watching uh, early television-inspired or somehow connected to old-time radio.
2: So, thank Um, you. We do want to say thank you to people who have donated already to our computer fund Bless you. Thank you so much. Uh, That is to Bill, Brian, Anne-Marie, Linda, Shane, Mark, DBA, Jeffrey, Micah, Ryan, Roberta, Catherine, Carolyn, Loretta, Lori. Uh, If you have donated and you weren't mentioned on that list, we will say thank you in the near future because we really, really appreciate it. Thank you. And also one more
3: thank you to Trevor for uh, pushing us to listen to Donovan's Brain. Thank you, Trevor.
1: And to be clear, the computer we want to buy is that one... That you see, like the one in the movie, the desk set. Takes up an entire wall. Yes. yes. Well, there's a lot of ticker tape Little Yes, reports come out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you have to feed punch cards in. Okay. Hey, if you'd like to see us performing live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Group does uh, audio drama live on stage once to twice a month for over for a really long time. So if you'd like to find out what we're performing and where we're performing and how to get tickets this month to see us performing classic recreations or our own original material, just go to ghoulishdelights.com and see uh, where we're at. And if you're a Patreon uh, then you get to watch it uh, without having to buy a ticket and come see us because the footage, the filming of that, will yeah. be provided to you. It's
3: beautiful. You can sit in your garbage house half naked and watch us do old-time radio, and there's no shame to it.
1: I think that's directed at me. <laughs> there's a little <laughs> shame to it. But. Okay. <laughs> hey, what's coming up next?
3: Uh, next, we'll be listening to my pick, and that is an episode of Lights Out entitled Murder in the Script Department. Until then. Look out! Whee, whee, whee,